0: Welcome to Sulphur Springs Baptist Church Sermon Audio. For more information, please visit our website at sulphurspringsbc.com. I appreciate our choir singing this morning and uh, thankful for each one of them and uh, appreciate our musicians. That's something I don't want to take for granted as I was sitting there. That's kind of what I was uh, thinking about and and praising the Lord for. Appreciate Mark and all they do and, and investing in our choir. And I was blessed to see the age range of people in our choir. Uh, from young and to old, and which group you fall in, I'll let you determine that. But uh, I'm thankful, that's a blessing. And I appreciate all the young people who are willing to sing. For me, the, probably the most uncomfortable position you can put me in is to ask me to sing, at least in any kind of isolated context. I'm very thankful for those who will sing, and for those who God has gifted to sing. And uh, I'm thankful for that. And I appreciate all who serve in that area. And the time you invest in that, I'm, I'm grateful for that. And I don't want that to go unnoticed. So I appreciate the Lord blessing us in that area. Um, If you have your Bibles this morning, uh, I ask you to turn with me to Luke chapter number 2. Luke chapter number 2, and we're going to read verses 21 through 40. And as you find your place, um, Ethan, if you'll put the next slide up, um, I want to introduce something to you that's coming in the upcoming weeks as you find your place, Uh, beginning in February. Unless the Lord changes uh, the direction in which uh, my heart is led at the moment. We're going to start a study on prayer, a series of sermons on prayer. And uh, in other words, there won't be, you know, we study through Galatians. The study won't be uh, verse by verse in a particular book, but the heading of our study will be prayer. And we're going to look at prayer and people who offered prayer, teachings on prayer in the New Testament uh, over a course of a few weeks and try to build, as you see, our intimacy with God. And I think, uh, I recently read a book on prayer, and I think that prayer is often probably a very neglected spiritual discipline in our life. Prayer is not always easy, and prayer may be something that as we begin to study, we realize that we're not as um, keyed in on as we might realize or might think that we are. And so that's what's coming for us beginning, like I said, in February, Lord willing. So be praying about that, be, uh, be practicing prayer yourself, and be praying for me as we prepare for those Uh, those messages coming up. Uh, But for today, we're going to continue looking at, we, since Christmas, have been looking at various texts that have shared with us some insight as to the early days of our Lord. We, of course, on Christmas preached about His birth, and we've just kind of stayed there, and and what the Scriptures give us happened in the days thereafter. And we looked at Matthew's Gospel, at what he recorded, and now we're in Luke, and we'll look at a couple of things he has recorded um, about the early days of Jesus and even he has one particular instance which I think is interesting in that it's the unique, it's the only thing given about the Lord and the, as a young boy and in that text he'll be 12 years old and uh, so that's interesting to me, it's unique, the only insight we're given rather uh, than some, some summarizing type verses as to the, the boyhood of Christ so uh, Lord willing that's what we'll look at next week but today we'll be here and introduced to a couple of characters named Simeon and Anna. And so if you will, I'll ask you to stand with me this morning. Luke chapter number 2, begin reading verse 21 and we'll read through verse number 40 where the Bible says this, And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them, and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea a sword shall pierce through thine, thy own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age, and had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. And when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning, God. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to join together as your people, God. Thank you for each person that's here, God, how you've brought us together, how you've been at work in each of our lives, God. and uh, Lord, I pray that during this time of, of preaching, God, that your pow- the power of your spirit would be upon us, Lord, because what needs to take place in this time, God, I cannot do it myself, Lord. We pray that you'd use your word this morning to uh, generate life change in us, God, to help us this morning through your word to be more conformed to the image of Christ, Uh, Lord, help us to leave here today and meditate upon the truth of Scripture. Lord, help something to be different in our life because of being here today than when we walked in. God, that's something that only you can do, and I pray that you would be doing that today, changing hearts. God, I'm thankful that that is what you do. You don't just decorate the outside. God, you don't just uh, change things that people see, but God, you change us from the inside out. And Lord, I'm grateful for that. And God, I'm confident today that your word is powerful and God, I'm confident today that you will use it to do what you intend to. And God, I rejoice in that, and I am thankful for that. And God, if there's a soul here today that is lost, I want to pray for them. And God, I pray that today would be the day that the reality of their sin and the reality of their losses would be bare be upon their mind, God, so that they see themselves as they really are. But then they would see the reality of Christ and what He has done for them, what has been accomplished for them at Calvary. And God, they'd put their faith and their trust in Him and be forgiven of their sins and given eternal life. Lord, I pray that You'd be with each home that's here today, each home that's represented. God, I pray that You'd be with us as a church. Lord, help us to be useful and advance in the kingdom of God. And In Christ's precious name we pray, amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated this morning. Now, in setting the context a little bit, we are backtracking timeline-wise from where we were in the Gospel of Matthew. When we left Matthew's gospel, Jesus was around two years old, we would we gather from the fact that King Herod had issued the decree that all children two years in age of younger be killed as he's trying to get rid of what he sees as a threat to his throne. So when we left Matthew chapter 2, when it concludes, then Matthew chapter number 3 opens and you'll see that there is introduced John the Baptist and his ministry where Jesus would be about 30 years old. So a large gap as far as in the life of Christ there as Matthew 2 closes. So as we come to Luke, chapter number 2, we're backtracking to where Jesus is just days old. Again, backtracking in the sense of the the timeline in our Lord's life. He uh, tells us here about the story of Jesus' circumcision, which Matthew does not. Matthew does not record what we are reading about here In these verses. And now we will go back and look according to the Gospel of Luke as to what he shares with us about the life and early days of the Lord Jesus. And what you find and what I find in these particular verses is we are introduced to two people who understood the significance of this child named Jesus. Simeon and Anna were both faithful, as the record scripture gives us indication of. Simeon was devout, Simeon was a just man, a righteous man. The Bible says that Anna had not left the temple for an extended period of time. So two faithful individuals and I'm sure that they through this time because of requirements of the law have seen many children, many male children come in, many mothers come in uh, after their time of purification to come back into the temple and offer an offering according to the word of the Lord. But they knew, these two people knew there was something different about this child. They celebrated this child in a way that they didn't celebrate the other children that they had been introduced to in that time that they were faithful and that they were serving and worshiping at the temple. At the temple, They, they knew that this child was special and that something was significant about him. They, as we realize in these verses of scripture, they recognized his true identity. They recognized the value that he really had, and I think that's something that our world fails miserably at today. Of course, even within the church, but obviously in a world outside of the church, because if they realized who he was, they would not live in the rebellion in which they do. They would not live in separation from him in the way that they do. And of course, I think that brings the question, do you and I understand his significance the way that we should as to the level that we should? And most people, you read that introduction question, you're thinking, do I understand the significance of Jesus? And to that, you're probably thinking, well, I'm here, I came to Sunday school this morning, and and so your answer to that is probably yes, as you ponder that in your mind. But a good way to answer that question truthfully is to look at your life over this past week and what it looked like from the time you left last Sunday, or the time you left last Wednesday, what is there anything that took place in your life that symbolizes or shows forth that testifies that you really understand the significance of Jesus? If your Bible has not opened since Wednesday night, then the answer to that question is at least no, not to the degree in which we should. If you would say, as we mentioned prayer, that you have not spent any time or any moments in prayer since we have prayed together on Wednesday, then I think it's fair to say we don't understand the significance of of Jesus, And I bring that to mind to say these thoughts this morning are relevant for you. These thoughts will help us, I pray, that we would leave here today understanding afresh and anew and with greater significance how special this child named Jesus is. Of course, they saw with, with vision as God had given them the impact that this little child named Jesus would have on the world. He had such a tremendous impact on their world in that day, but it was such a great impact that it would also impact the world for all time. So what you will find in these verses, what I find in these verses, is what makes this child so significant. And I pray today that the Lord, if you don't know Him, the Lord would use this to bring light to your life, to show you that the reality of who He is. But if you've been saved and understand at least to that level that He is a Savior, that He is Lord, God would give us a greater understanding and then a greater devotion to Him through that understanding. So look with me in verse number 21 as we'll see that Jesus is God's salvation. Simeon is the one who's going to declare this, but there's a few things given to you and I leading up to why is Mary and Joseph in the temple at all? Why? What brought them to encounter this man named Simeon? Well, the Bible says in verse number 21 that eight days were accomplished, of course, that goes back to the law on the eighth day, male children were to be circumcised. So they are, or they take care of that. They accomplish that for the circumcising of the child whose name was called Jesus. And for many, I read in this day they would wait to name the child on the day of their circumcision. But of course, Mary and Joseph did not name this child. The ch- the child's name was given through an angel and was given before he was born, and then. Look at verse number 22. The days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished. They brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. So they remained in Bethlehem. And then after her purification was accomplished, they're going to Jerusalem to provide an offering according to the law of Moses. You'll find what is being referred to here in Leviticus chapter number 12. If you read Leviticus 12... I would encourage you to. It help a lot of what's taking place right here to make sense. All this is happening according to the commandments and the law of God. God said that male children on the 8th day were to be circumcised, and then the mother was to wait 33 more days, or on the 40th day after uh, the child's birth, and she was clean from her, her, purified, and then they were to bring an offering to the temple to offer to conclude that period, for a daughter that a parent would have, they were to wait 80 days, and on the 80th day they would come and give an offering unto the Lord. So that's what brings them to Jerusalem. That's what has brought them to the temple. You see, says in verse number 23, is again it's referring to what I'm referring to in Leviticus 12, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy, to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. In that passage in Leviticus 12, God gives this inclusion for people who did not have a lot. The initial offering, if you had it to give, was to be a lamb. But this provision was provided for people who did not have a lot of money. And that tells you and I that Mary and Joseph were not wealthy people because they didn't bring a lamb. They brought a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons, which was the offering that a couple was to bring who was not wealthy. They didn't have a lamb to give, but they were to bring this as their offering. And I think through these verses we see, we kind of mentioned last week, more emphasizing Joseph as he was leading his home in a godly manner, seeking to follow God, being the spiritual leader of his home. Well, by studying verses 21 through 24, you see a beautiful picture of a godly family. Here's Mary and Joseph serving God here's Mary and Joseph honoring the word of God they have taken their son and they circumcised him on the eighth day now they're offering this offer of that they have been commanded to give here in these verses and I think that's a challenge to to every family in which we serve God alongside of one another and we seek to honor him in the way we conduct ourselves and the way we carry out our relationship as a family and that's what we see Mary and Joseph doing and then In verse 25, we're introduced to this character named Simeon. When they get to the temple, there's a man there, at least in Jerusalem the Bible says, who was just and devout. And his word just just means he was a righteous man. He was a man who was approved by God. The fact that he was devout means that his outward actions demonstrated the worth that he put upon God. His actions lined up with a life of faith, a testimony of faith that he would give And he was waiting, the Bible says, for the consolation of Israel. And that was a result of the fact that the Holy Ghost had told him in some kind of special revelation that he would not die until he saw the Christ, until he saw the person that God was going to send to be the Redeemer, to be the fulfillment of all the promises that he had given Israel. I think You would say Simeon was living in anticipation of Christ, and I think the spirit of anticipation that Simeon possessed, the spirit of anticipation that the Bible tells us that Simeon had is uh, something you and I would do well to possess as a spirit of expectation. Yes, we're not looking for the Lord to come the first time, which was his spirit of expectation, but you and I should live in the same, I mean, it should be able to be described of you and I that we're waiting, that we're waiting on him and you That's more than just words that you say. That's more than just a declaration that you make. You live your life day in and day out in a way that looks for the return of the Lord. That's the way that Simeon operated. That's the way that Simeon lived. And so, therefore, that we can ask ourselves today do we live in a spirit of anticipation? Or do we live asleep to where the Lord would return and find us asleep, to where the Lord would return and find us negligent with what He's called us to do, with what and with what he has asked us to do. But Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was expecting this child to come. You and I know that he has come the first time, but you and I are waiting on his second coming. And do we live in a way that reflects that? That we live, that we truly believe that at any point in time he could return. Do we live ready for that moment? Do we live waiting and looking for that? The Bible tells us that the Holy Ghost was upon him, I and mean, this man was special. I mean, he's not overly, he's not anything like the status of Christ, but he is a man that God is going to use, that the Holy Ghost was upon, and it was revealed unto him, according to verse 26, that he would not die before he had seen the promised one, the Messiah. So he came by the Spirit, the Spirit's leading him, And he comes to the temple, and then the parents bring in this child named Jesus. And they've come, they've arrived to do after the custom of the law. And then I've tried to picture verse number 28 in my mind as I've studied this week. Is this man, I don't know when God gave him this, this revelation that he would not die until he saw the Lord's Christ, but he's been waiting for this consolation. He's been serving. The Bible says he's been just. He's a devout man. He's been faithful. His actions have lined up with his love for the Lord and then I've tried to picture all week in studying this him taking up this little child in his arms. Can you imagine that moment as he looked this little baby in the face and he knew this is him. This is the little child that God has promised, told about all throughout the Old Testament. Here's the child that all the hope, all the good news that this world has to cling to, he's, he's right here. And Simeon gets to hold this little baby. I, we was out to eat last night with Brianna's family, and I. you study stuff, stuff just kind of stays on your mind, and, and uh, her niece, our niece was there, and she's 10 months old, I guess, somewhere in that vicinity, so Jesus is eight days old, so it would have been much smaller than her, but as people were holding her and kind of, of course, passing her around and enjoying time with her, I was thinking, you know, at some point, Jesus would have been a little child like it. Can you imagine holding him? Can you imagine what he would have looked like, what that would have been like. As you looked into his eyes, and there he is. And seeing that kind of brought this a little bit more to life for me. As you hold a little child, see Chelsea here and others. I mean, just try to imagine what that would be like. Let that bring this to life for you. And Simeon, who knew he was looking for this child, now here he is, and he takes him up in his arms and holds him. And then he has a prayer. He blesses God. He says, Lord, now let us, thou, thy servant, depart in peace according to thy word. God, you you told me I would not die until I saw the cross. And he says, Lord, now let me go in peace. And he says here, because mine eyes have seen thy salvation. You and I, the... Significance of Christ is wrapped up in this, that He is God's salvation. He is God's provided means for our victory. Of course, in their mind, they're probably thinking more of a literal deliverance, deliverance from Roman oppression, that more of that physical earthly rule that we are now looking for but they were looking for it at this instance as many lacked understanding that he was coming first to be a spiritual redeemer he was coming first to be a spiritual savior so they as simeon says this he of course god had given him revelation so maybe he knew exactly what would take place but you and i as we have the wisdom given to us in the new testament understand that he is our spiritual salvation yes one day he will be our physical ruler he will rule and reign as a literal king but For now He is the Lord and King over our hearts and in the spiritual sense, and He was provided by God to be our spiritual victory. He delivers us not from Roman oppression, not from physical hardship primarily, but He delivers us from our sin. With that, we're reminded again, as we've emphasized, especially as we look through Galatians, that you have no other way of salvation but through Christ. Your good, good acts will not cut it. Your good behavior will not do it. Your, your attendance at church will not do it. It is Christ. And it's Christ alone. He is God's salvation. If you deny or reject what God has given us in Christ, then you have no salvation. I have no salvation if we would deny what God has given And as God's provided means of salvation, as salvation, he says he's a light to lighten the Gentiles. He's the glory of thy people, Israel. This is significant because Simeon is saying Jesus has not just come to be the deliverer, the salvation of Israel. Yes, they were looking for the one who would fulfill all those promises that were given to them. And when he says he, this child will be the glory of the people of Israel. That's what he's referring to. All those prophecies we looked at. We looked at a couple of them leading up to Christmas. What they were looking for and what they were expecting. This would be that child. He would be the glory of that nation of people. But he would also be a light to lighten the Gentiles. He would, in other words, he's not just hope for Israel, but he was hope for every person. He's hope for every tribe, every nation, and every language. He was not just bringing salvation to Israel, but he was bringing salvation to Gentiles, which is who you and I are. And if you read in the Old Testament, if you look at a lot of what took place in the New Testament, you see a great divide between Jews and Gentiles. Gentiles were looked at as dogs, unworthy, not worthy to receive the grace of God, not able to receive the grace of God. But what Simeon is saying is this child will not just deliver Israel, not just bring victory to them, but he would bring victory to the Gentiles. He would be light and truth that would go unto the Gentiles as well. And so as it's declared in Acts 13 and 47, what this means is Jesus would be salvation unto the ends of the earth. For you, for me, for the nation of Israel, all people must look to Him for salvation. And then I, again, 33 is another verse that I've tried to just think through in my mind. Can you imagine as they hear this, Mary and Joseph looking at their son? I mean, you think back all that they've experienced, the angel appearing to them, Joseph and Mary knowing that they've not come together, but here's this son that they've had. And can you just imagine them, the marvel at the things that they're hearing? Like as they look at Jesus and think, what they have in their possession A lot of times I think many people, when they hold a young child, look at that child and think about the possibilities, think about what they might become. think about what they might do in their life. Well, that's kind of the picture I have of Joseph and Mary is that it's recorded in verse 33. They look at their child and they're probably like, "I mean I just figure their mind is blown at what they're hearing, about what they have already learned about this child. So we know that Jesus is God's salvation, but Jesus will also lead to the fall and rising again of many. So Simeon now says, Simeon blesses Mary and Joseph and says to Mary, the child's mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. What what does this mean? Do you mean Jesus has come for the falling of some? Anybody, just about, most people would no, then it makes sense to hear that Jesus would be for the rising again of many. But what does it mean that He would be to the falling of many? The word "set" in verse number thirty-four means appointed, destined, or intended by God. So this child is appointed for the fall and rising again of many. It means that He would be for the set or appointed for the falling of many is based upon how people would respond to Him. For those who reject Christ, for those who refuse to acknowledge Him as Lord, who refuse to acknowledge Him for these things that we're looking at this morning, then He is set; he's appointed for your falling. For those who will put their faith in Him, for those who will trust in Him, for those who will grab hold of what the Scripture teaches us about Christ by faith, then He is appointed for your rising again. As Dr. David Jeremiah said, Jesus would either be a stumbling stone or a stepping stone to God. And I think as the Gospels unfold, we see that. We see that carried out with the nation of Israel. And similarly, he says, this child be a sign which shall be spoken against. And no doubt here, that phrase is, into the opposition and the resistance that Jesus would face. Jesus wouldn't be received by everybody. Jesus wouldn't be trusted in by everybody. And Simeon has given us an insight to that here in that phrase. And he says to Mary, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also. Speaking about things referring to the pain, she's going to experience as she watches her beloved son hanging on a cross, crucified at the hands of men. That would be like a sword that pierced through her soul. So this morning you need to hear that Jesus is set for you're either you're falling or you're rising again and it's all based upon how you respond to Him. As The King James Version Study Bible says how people respond to Jesus is the difference between pardon and condemnation, eternity in heaven or in hell. Then we see this morning Anna now comes on the scene. In verse number 36, she declares the significance of Christ as the one who would bring redemption. The Bible says there's one Anna prophetess, a female prophet. John MacArthur says that this meant that she didn't necessarily have revelation, but she would teach. I was a teacher of the Old Testament. I did read a definition in some of the studying I read that meant they could be a, they'd be a female person who would declare revealed truth. And so a couple different definitions of what that word might mean. But she was a daughter, it says, of Fenuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age. She was an older lady. She lived with her husband seven years, so maybe you could say she had a kind of a tough life. She was married and enjoyed time with her husband for seven years. Then he passed, and she's been a widow ever since. According on how you read the end of that verse, she's either 84 or she has lived as a widow for 84 and she's probably over 100 years old. So I think the Bible saying she's of great age is accurate. Whichever way you want to look at it. But the Bible says in verse 37 that she departed not from the temple, but she served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. So she sees the child and she, being a prophetess, recognizes again that this child is not like every other male child, not every other child they see coming into the temple. She says there's something different about this child. This child's the fulfillment of all we've been looking for. she says that she was going to go it says that she was going to go tell all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem the word redemption speaks of a payment of a full ransom to free a slave in, in a literal context and so it speaks of liberation and deliverance and as i mentioned since she says redemption in Jerusalem we i would gather from that she's more so speaking about the deliverance of israel of the Jewish people from Roman oppression, the more physical, earthly deliverance that many of them were looking for, which is why many of them didn't understand. Even His disciples often argued with when He would talk about, uh, I'm going to have to be crucified and killed. They didn't always understand that. But we understand through the New Testament that Lord also has provided spiritual redemption For us, we were enslaved by sin, held captive by sin, under its power, under its authority, and under all the consequences that came along with it. But Jesus, as our redemption, has liberated us. He's freed us from that estate in which we were in. And then, as it should only natural be, what does this woman do? And she realizes this is the one we've been looking for. This is the special child. This is the child Who's going to bring redemption? This is the child who's going to bring deliverance. This is the child who's going to bring salvation. What does she do? She goes and tells other people. She knew that there was other people who were devout, other people who were looking for this promise, other people who are not forgotten about the word of God, other people who had not forgotten about trying to live and honor in a way that honors God. And so she went from knowing that this was him to go tell other people. I think that should be the only natural response that we have. When we recognize Jesus for who He is, if we truly get a hold of the significance of Jesus, the natural outflow of that will be to go tell other people. And as for some contextual information, if you look in verse number 39, the Bible says, when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they come to the temple, they do all the things that... God had prescribed for them to do. Then they return into Galilee in their own city of Nazareth. So in that is all those events we looked at in Matthew 2 through at the end of where it says they performed all things according to the law of the Lord in that little space would be all those events we studied in Matthew 2 to give you some context to help put all the picture together of the Lord's early life because then we remember we left Matthew 2, the Lord and his family, they found residence in Nazareth. And then we're given a summarization of the early days of Jesus before a more specific account that concludes Luke 2 where Jesus is growing. He's waxing strong in spirit. The Bible says he's filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. So this morning if you really want to know if you understand the significance of Jesus I think it's fair to ask yourself if you've responded to him the way that Simeon and Anna did. And what, what did they do? Well, Simeon blessed God. He thanked God for this child. And Anna gave thanks likewise unto the Lord. And then she went and told other people. Do we do those two things in our life? Do we thank God for sending this son, understanding he's our salvation? He is appointed for our rising again if we believe upon him. And he has brought redemption and because of that, do we thank God for him? Do we do our part in telling others about him, making sure they know about the significance of this child? If you will, this one, I'm going to ask you to stand with me, and our musicians can come around if they will. I mentioned many times... When a baby's first born, people make predictions, maybe based off the parents, maybe based upon the, the family in which they'll grow up in, you, you know, I, I bet this child will be be this or be that, maybe they'll grow up to be an athlete, maybe they had two athletic parents, or I bet this child will grow up and work in, work in education, maybe both parents are in education, whatever the case may be, a child may be born and be what they consider a big child, and people may say, I bet he'll be a professional ball player, whatever predictions people might make. They like to use their imaginations and thinking about what this child might become, but most of the time those predictions are completely off, not even close. But here's Simon and Anna give accurate descriptions of who this child is and who he would become. He is God's salvation. He was set for the rising and fall again of many. And he would bring redemption. So this morning bears the question, is Christ going to be your way to the Father or is He going to be a stumbling block for you? He, said, he tells us in John chapter number 14 that He is the way, the truth, and the life. You have no other way but Him. If you've never responded to that truth and that reality today, I will encourage you to do so. And If you have, then do you live day by day, moment by moment, in a way that shows forth the significance that He has in your life? You search your heart. God has dealt with you to come and pray during this time. I encourage you to do so. You be obedient to him as Mark comes around and leads us in a song of invitation. Thank you for listening. Please remember to drop a rating and subscribe to get our latest audio.